For those who've been here over the last just two or three weeks, you'll know that we've been running a summer series that I've been really excited about called Overcomer. Um, and it's just been great to receive ministry and be part of the ministry as well. We were reminded, I've already made mention of it, that Julie uh, encouraged us with regards to just praising and worshipping God, how there's something that just breaks through and we become an overcomer. There's, there's something that, uh, that enables us to overcome as we praise and worship God together. Last week I had the joy of just saying this, that when we're at our worst, God is at his best. Can you remember that? I have that phrase for those who are here as just rings around. When you're at your worst, remember God is always at his best. And now just a sense from 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, Paul just lays out some principles with regards to overcoming. Next week, we're going to be looking at overcoming insecurity. I won't have a straw poll here, but I wonder how many of us have lived with insecurity over our lives. I have. Yeah, I have. And uh, we're just going to talk about how, we're going to see a talk how we can overcome insecurity. But this week, it's a real joy because we're going to be talking about negative cycles. This is what the Bible says. We're going to see it on the screen in Romans in chapter 12 and verse 2. It says this, do not conform to the pattern. Everybody say pattern. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. It's talking about a cycle of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The reality is there are many cycles and many patterns that we embrace. There are cycles of the world and patterns of this world that can squeeze us and that can mold us. Often the things we see, we actually become. The things that we see in life, modeled to us, we can often become. And some of those things are great things, and some of them aren't so great. And they can become negative cycles and patterns that live over our lives. So this morning, over the next 30 minutes, and we are going to be very respectful of time, we're going to look at how do we get free from some of these negative cycles? How do we break free from them? And before I introduce my guest to the stage, who is Lisa, and I'll give her a proper, introdu- I'll give her a proper introduction in a moment, what I do want to say is this. We have been very, very careful to just handle Lisa very well because her story is quite dramatic. Not just at the beginning, but actually now, what's happening in her now. And that's where we want to get to. Because very often I've seen people who've come out of a dramatic, had a dramatic uh, experience of Jesus, a dramatic encounter, and we can often just, you know, parade them as a, as a, as a, a, a trophy of grace. We're all trophies of grace, guys. Every single one of us. Okay, and what I want to say is this, although you're going to see and, and hear some things that maybe uh, for some of us, if you come from, the phrase will come out from the Waltons, this may shock you. For others who don't come from that lifestyle, it won't shock you. But what we want to say is we're not glorying in what happened, we're glorying in what Jesus has done through Lisa. Okay, so I wonder if we just put our hands together and give Lisa Harrison a really, really warm welcome. Thank you, Mary. Please take your seat, Lisa. It's like you're on an interview. <laughs> I mean, a job a good interview. One, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let me just. 
begin by saying there are some people who don't know you at all. So what we're going to do throughout this interview, we're going to make no assumptions. There are some people who do know you, but some people who don't know you. And we could be tempted, for those who don't know you, to look on and see this very together lady, okay, who um, is married, has two grown-up boys, is grandma, can you believe she's grandma to two, um, and you're on the staff here. So, you know, people see you buzzing around, we see you in the offices, and you look very together, and you are together, but if you can just help all of us to understand because your life hasn't always been as stable as this. Can, so can you just tell me and us a little bit about your background? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, stable is a very good word. We sing that song about God turning us chaos into order. So my upbringing, my old past was one of absolute chaos. Now, just to be clear, my mum's out here today and my mum was an absolute amazing mother. Um, She had the odds stacked against her from a very young age. Um, But to let you understand a little bit of why I did what I did and made some choices I did, I'd have to go back a bit to childhood. So um, we grew up poor in poverty. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not that we was the poor ones and everyone around us was rich. Nobody had anything. Everyone around us was skin. It was all skin. I think the difference for me and my family was that to alleviate that, our dad went into crime. Now, you know, you can argue he should have gone to work and he did have his own businesses and did work at time. I don't know why he made the decisions he did. So he was very entrepreneurial. Yes. Um, (laughs) I don't think the police agreed. (laughs) Um, But he did, he went into crime. Um, And originally it was to alleviate the poverty. Um, But I think once you start making a bad choice, it opens up a can of worms for a whole host of bad choices. And that's what it did. So he started knocking around with more like-minded people. Um, He got into drugs and drink at a young age. And then it stopped being all about alleviating poverty. Um, And it just brought a whole host of dysfunction. So there was other women. Um, I mean, my mum, we can laugh about this now, but one time he was um, serving a sentence... A pregnant lady came around, and it was the friend of a knockoff, um, oh, declaring that it was his baby. Oh, um, and my mum says, you know, that's a miracle. He's been inside for 10 months, up, <laughs> up to now. Uh, so that's just some of the dysfunction she had, she had to put up with. Um, and there's, there's lots of funny things, but there's also, you know, lots of heartache. Um, most of our childhood, he was in prison. Nowadays, it sounds really bad, but if your father's in prison, odds are another classmate has got the same story. But back then, it wasn't. We was the only ones we knew with a dad in prison. Right. Um, and he started getting into drugs, drink. He started running around with sawn-off shotguns. Um, so, I mean, me and my brother as little kids, we weren't aware of this. All we ever saw was the police come in and taking him away. Yeah. And for great lengths of time, yeah. plummeting us into more poverty. Because yeah. then my mum was left, you know, single-handedly, trying right. to do it all. Um, And so from a very early age, I had a very negative view of authority. It started with the police, but then spilt into, I mean, absolutely every authority. Teachers, probation officers, local council, anybody. Anybody in a position of authority, um, I had a problem with. 
So as a teenager, you would have, as a kid, you wouldn't have known, but as a teenager, you begun to understand. I mean, what did that yeah. make you, you know, feel like, uh, you know? Well, you felt different. Yeah. You felt like, oh, our dad's the one in prison, yeah. you know. Um, other kids know that. I wouldn't say we was really judged by it, but then there was kind of like some false expectations put yeah. on you. You yeah. was you was kind of meant to be a bit harder. Yeah. Meant to angle things a bit differently. Yeah. Um, and as well meaning as people could be, I don't think a lot was expected of me and my brother. Right. You know. So a low expectation yeah. from schools. Yeah, you know. The dad's okay. a raging drug addict. He runs around with sawn off shotguns and he's most of his time in prison. Yeah. What are these going to turn out to be? Right. right. And, you know, me and, me and my brother Darren... We kind of pick that up and believe that. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because Terry and I was in a context only this week where that was actually said mm. over some people's life, that they'd seen them, how they behaved, and it was almost like they're never going to change. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to come about. And both Terry and I were wrecked by it, weren't we? Terry's over there, mm. but we were wrecked by that because mm. we actually came away saying there's going to be something different that's going to come from mm. these people's lives, not what they're saying. So it, it, it's interesting. So just, just around, you, you know, your teenage years, I mean, I don't want to be ge- general here or, or, or stereotypical, but I'm assuming there, there was a lot of violence that you, you began to see. There was... Oh, definitely. That was a definitely. regular occurrence. Um, I mean, I would point out at this point, my dad was never really... Um, he didn't beat my mum up yeah. or anything, yeah. uh, but she did suffer a lot of yeah. mental violence. Yeah. My father, in his way, was very controlling Christian. Mm. Um, I can remember a couple of times um, going to knock on the door to get into the house, mm. um, and the neighbour come running out his house and grabbed me in my house. And it turned out that my dad, he'd been up too many days on drugs, so he got a bit psychotic, mm-hmm. um, coupled with what they used to drink back then, special brew. Yeah. So he was completely out of it. Um, and apparently it. Um, had my mum and my brother lined up on the settee with a sawn-off shotgun because he didn't believe it was them. He'd lost it. It right. was all a conspiracy. Right. Um, and he was going to kill them. Right. So my mum had to get herself and my brother out. Um, as a consequence of that and stuff like that, it drove my mum to several mental breakdowns, mm-hmm. you know, because she was always having to kind of protect her own safety and the other women sure. and everything else. And being acutely aware that my dad's choices inadvertently endangered me and Darren, yeah. you know. So on bad days, on, on when he was on, you know, bad downers from being yeah. up for yeah. days, you'd be walking on eggshells, right. you know, um, and now you're aware of it. Yeah. And as a teenager, where we was once ignorant when we was little, we was now aware of why all these people was coming yeah. round the house. They weren't coming for a social, they were coming to score. Right. wanted to buy drugs. Right. Um, we started to notice that they used the bathroom a lot. Right. Um, and I can always remember my brother informing me, you know, Lisa, the injecting in there. Right. Um, trying to safeguard me, you know, because there'd be blood and, sure. and things like that. Um, my dad had now gone fully into a gangster lifestyle. Right. So if anybody robbed him or did a wrong to him or anything like that, He'd think nothing, he'd just get a sawn-off shotgun and go and kidnapping him. But he'd bring them to our house, you know. Um, so, of course, my mum and my brother would have weeks of raging paranoia. If they knew where we lived. Of course, by now he'd be arrested mm-hmm. for that. 
Uh-huh. They'd always have him arrested. Sure. Um, and he'd be looking at 10 years again yeah. um, for kidnapping um, with intent to kill and things like that. Yeah. But we'd be left in the house where we brought these sure. people. And these people he kidnapped was from that lifestyle. So it wasn't like your Waltons that he'd just kidnapped for <laughs> ransom. You know, there was nutters herself. Sure. You know, sure. Um, so there was just much violence. And at this point, I'd say, for me, I'd saw my mum have a lot of breakdowns. I saw all of this dysfunction and something, something kind of just determined in my heart, nobody will ever control me. No man will ever do that to me, what I'd, I'd saw happen to my mum. Um, and no authority would ever break me. So by the age of about 13, 14, I'd already determined that no man was ever going to know if I truly loved him mm-hmm. because I saw it that that's what they do with it. They yeah. abuse it. Um, and all authority, I'll fight you with every breath because right. I ate it all. Right. You know? So it wasn't that I just didn't like authority and opposed authority. I actually despised yeah. and hated I want to just go a little bit on from those early teenage years. You met a young man by the name of Kevin. So you can see what he was already up against. Yeah. <laughs> and I know a little bit, so I'm just going to really take it forward. You, you, were, you were living with, with, with Kev. You met him as a young, young... And by the way, Kev's a great bloke. He really is. I really love, love Kev. And um, so... You met him, you know, you, you, you lived together. You had two, two uh, boys, two, two young lads, as it, as, as it was then. Um, but things weren't working out even great no. there because I'm just going to go, I'm just going to make the statement, then I want you to just fill in the gaps. Mm. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, because I'm aware where I picked up the story with Lisa <laughs> was uh, around 11 years ago. Because uh, Lisa was actually in a prison cell because she'd actually stabbed um, Kev. So, can we pick the story up? Yeah, so I met Kev, and Kev was from the Waltons. You know, so I thought I'd done good. You know, that was as good as it's getting. He's from Waltons. Um, but for reasons I don't entirely understand to this day, he came over to our lifestyle. Yeah. And kind of like that. He started drinking, he started getting abusive in drink. Um, domestic violence was introduced very early on in the relationship. Um, and like I've already told you, I came from that. I determined certain things was not going to happen sure. um, for me. Um, so all that dysfunction from my childhood, I just then did all that in my own adult right. life. Right. You know. So the cycle just yeah, repeated just, itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kev had come in drunk. Um, the kids would walk on eggshells, but unlike my mum, where my mum would just, you know, get us to go to bed and lock herself in a room, I didn't. I used to kind of fight back, and it would all get very colourful, and, you know... See, Lisa's a bit feisty, can't you? You can tell that. Just a bit. <laughs> it got that bad at one point. It's quite funny now, but at one point, we was both, but predominantly him, getting arrested that much at weekends, that as friends you say, do you know what, Lisa, just ask for a key to the cells, <laughs> just let yourself in, because it was just every weekend, um, so Kev was drinking a lot, um, I was raising the kids, and, and one thing and another, uh, but then as they got older, I started to drink with him, and like Kev says now, at that point, 
Nobody's definitely holding the reins then. No. I didn't have the character or the personality to ever be touching anything that messed with your head yeah. or your, your anger. I already had rage, yeah. uh, resentment and all these things. Yeah. So going out and getting pie-eyed on anything, drugs, which I did, alcohol, just dangerous, Christian. Yeah. Just dangerous. And one night, um, Kev was just going berserk as normal. It was regular. We're used to it. Yeah. Um, but this time, my brother was there, and he tried protecting me. Um, and then everyone was in danger. Kevin got a knife, um, and I stabbed him. Yeah. And was arrested. Yeah. Seems amazing these things actually happen. You, you read them on newspaper reports, uh, but uh, you know, to, uh, th- this is living and real. Sometimes we can think they're not real, but they are. Mm. So, you find yourself in a, in a cell. I know a little bit of the story. Of course, he's dying. Yeah. Kev's dying. Yeah. Um, your boys have been taken off you. Yeah. You, I guess you've been charged with what, whatever the charge... What, attempted what, murder. Attempted murder. So, what happened? So, I'm banged up. He's dying. They gave him 20% survival. Uh, they actually told me in the first five interviewers that they was just waiting to recharge me with murder because they fully expected him to die. Um, I mean, what do you do? As much as me and him was dysfunctional, I love that man. Yeah. You know, I had trouble showing that, yeah. you know, because I had all my own baggage and all my own hurts. Sure. And th- but he was the father of my kids. I loved him. Yeah. You know, it wasn't all like that. We had yeah. good times, yeah. you know, as well. And there I'm being told, look, Lisa, he is going to die. We are going to charge you for his murder um, and things like that. So I just threw myself on mercy of God. I just threw myself on mercy of God. I just begged him. I said, you know, um, and I'm not ashamed to say any of this. Um, please just give us another chance. We'll live right. We'll do it right. I promise. Just give us another chance. If I'd be truthful with you, I kind of didn't know what that would look like because I didn't know how to live right. And you didn't even know God at that point? No. No. Um, I knew nothing about Jesus. Jesus was this nice little baby born in a manger that was the son of God. I, I kind of believed, even in the cell, there was three types of people. So there was people like me. It was just, that's the way we are. That's the choices we make. There was Christians, and there was the Waltons. Right. You know, just good people. Um, and that's it. Right. That's what I thought. And you fitted into the first category. Yeah. So roll it on from there. You know, you threw yourself on the mercy of God. So what happened then? What, what? Uh, by miracle, I got bail and sent her a bail address out of the area. I mean, I was banned out of Cockmanay. It was a standing joke because nobody gets banned out of Cockmanay. Um, and, you know, I was banned out of Cockmanay. Um, couldn't go into it for about four and a half months. So I couldn't attend this church. Um, but when they released me from court, all my family was there. And in the midst of that was one um, Christian cousin. She dropped me off at my bail address. And I'm going to be truthful. Because this is like day three after the stabbing. So it still is what it is with me. I've just threw my son on the mercy of God. So I'm dropped off with a bottle of diazepam, because I used to take eight time, three cans of calling, um, 60 quid, 40 fags. And she just passed me this book called Purpose Driven Life in the middle of all this and says, you know, if you get a minute, <laughs> I, I'm going to eat loads of minutes, but I just didn't know it then. Um, read that. Um, and I was just dropped off with people I didn't know um, in Kirk Callum on bail. K 
Kev's still dying. I'm waiting to be arrested for his murder. Um, but, you know, he didn't. He survived. I started reading. I read this book. I read a sentence that says, um, if your life's out of control, why don't you give the steering wheel of your life to Jesus Christ? Nothing in his control can be out of control. Yeah. Well, I kind of just sat there on this doorstep smoking, drinking, having my Valium. Um, and I kind of thought, he's got to do a better job than me. You know, I've crashed and burned. It can't get any worse. Um, so I just basically said, you know, fine, God. If you're saying your son can take this, because I'd made all them promises remembering the sure. cell. So sure. I had the fear of God now. I better not go back on that. Um, if you can do it, fine. Fine, do it. I give my life to this Jesus right. then. Um, and then I had to just start obeying from there, there and then. Sorry, was there any... Flashes of lightning, was there any I was sat on a doorstep with a fag Christian. <laughs> was there angel, any angels that came to you? Nothing no, like that? No, no, no. There was okay. a lady that were hosting me at my bail address. That, that's it. But I don't think, I mean, she was an angel to me, but she's got no wings. So it was just a, if I can say this, a cold-hearted decision that you made. That you yeah. made a promise to God who you didn't know. Yeah. But then you read this line, which is remarkable, the, book she talks about is written by a guy called Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. If you need to, uh, interestingly, I've never read the book, but I've heard a lot about it. Um, but, you know, you, you read this book and then you said you're going to relinquish control. Yeah. You've had no flashes of lightning, but you've made a decision now mm. to follow Jesus. Yeah. So, and so um, Christians that was around me at the time, so I was going to a church in Matlock, so I couldn't come here. Um, because I said, right, I've read this, I've done this. What does that mean? Well, it means you're born again. Well, I didn't understand any of it. I didn't get it. So I'm not no. boy with all of that, but they taught me through it. Yeah. You know, what born again means, you're now born into the kingdom. Yeah. You're a new creation. Yeah. And I didn't feel any of that. No. I, felt, I felt still like a dirty sinner. I was aware of all, I mean, that stabbing, it, that wasn't the first time I'd ever took out a knife. I'd done no. some right anus right. sins. I mean, I was aware of all that and I was still struggling with how can I be accepted? I, because I thought, like, such a self was born that way. So when they started taking me to church, I, I had no frame of reference for it, Christian. I kept thinking, I can't be one of these. These are born good. These are born nice, these people. Um, and I've just kind of said this prayer. Um, but I just kept going. But then I think the miracle for me was... I started to understand the old born again bit. I started to understand when I was reading or when I was hearing the preacher or even reading the lyrics to the songs, I started to see. I started, like, for instance, the song Amazing Grace. I just always thought that were a nice song. I didn't know that that were a Christian song. I didn't know that were a song about God. Right. And suddenly, I got it. Right. It's the grace of God. That's what was happening to me. Right. Um, and it is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So, Matlock, thank God for Matlock and that church over there. And then you can come back here. We're going to fast forward again that Kev is now absolutely fine. He's waking in save one, might I add. He is. Um, and the boys are great. <laughs> As I said, she's grandma, grandma to two. And, uh, you know, she, Lisa married Kev as well, so they're now happily married. Even though, you know, we hear some stories uh, from, from, from Lisa. All good. But, uh, um, 
so what, what, what's over that 11 years? I mean, I mean you can't just, because if it's as simple as that, I don't know about you, but I'm listening on to this. Because I'm thinking, okay, you made a decision to follow Christ. So coming back to me now, take it to me just for a moment. Yeah, I didn't come from that lifestyle, lifestyle, but there was a lot of stuff in my life. And I actually made a commitment to follow Christ. But there was so much stuff, Lisa, that I had to sort out. Mm. So Mm. I guess, I mean, you've already said authority, anger, trust, Mm. rage. Mm. I mean, there's not, I don't know about you, but you can't just turn like a a, a tap, switch it on and off, can you? So what's... Well, what's, I kind of learned that. I kind of learned that quick smart that you don't yeah. get to like pray to God and say, you know, God, um, deal with me anger. So what's over, happened over this eleven years now? You, you've been—it's eleven years ago. So I mean, I had all of them, all of them issues. So first of all, what God did, He had to um, start teaching me that first of all, I had to submit to authority. Yeah. To get anywhere in life, let alone the kingdom, I first had to submit to authority. Now, I was good with submitting to him now because he'd saved me bacon. Kevin lived, we got married, and the trauma was over. So, yeah, I can submit to you, but then it meant I had to submit to you. Then it meant I had to submit to Julie right. and to Anne. Now, it started getting really colourful really fast because I kind of thought, well, you're a man of God, you're a pastor. Okay, I can submit to him, but then I had to submit to Julie and Anne. I'd never submitted to no one in my life. I'd made this pact when I was about 13. Um, and I just kept reading the Bible. And you've just got to deal with your business with God, haven't you? So, you know, when I joined Food Bank, um, I had to submit under Anne. And me and Debbie can laugh about this stuff now. I'd go into Anne's office and I'd either say, can we have or can we do this? She wouldn't even look up. She'd just go, No. Well, I'd have real problems with that, Christian. In my head, I'd be like... What? She's not even telling me why, God, you know, and all of this. Um, and he just kept dealing with me and dealing with me. Um, likewise, I thought you was crazy because you was, like, asking me to do all these things. Um, go in the papers, go on telly. I found myself being interviewed, for, like, inside out and the news. And, and I, I used to pray to God, make him stop. He keeps making me do these crazy things. So I was always snitching on you. Um, I even read... In the Bible, that God, this is how desperate I got. Um, he spoke to people in dreams and visions. So I actually say, Christian, speak to Christian in his dreams. <laughs> Make him stop God. He's, he's making me go on telly now. I've stabbed a man. I'm from this background. And people are, I, I honestly believe people are going to start going to church and saying to you, do you know what woman is working for you? Um, how, and it was just really hard, but... You know, I've got to keep doing it. I've got to keep submitting and submitting and submitting. So reading, I know, has been a major part of your life, reading and just prayer and whatever. I mean, just talk to us a little bit about just some of the things, you know, in terms of your reading, you know. I know well, you- I have to read daily. My cousin Debbie, she's exactly the same. Um, we call it keeping us business close with God. So I can't do what I'm doing and be who I am now just by coming here on a Sunday. It, it won't happen for me. Um, I can't come, sing a few songs and then go about because, you know, there's still stuff I'm dealing with in my own personal character. There's still stuff that happens in, in my world. Yeah. So just this year alone, um, my mum's fought cancer. She's due to have a second mastectomy. My um, nephew fell out three stories up of a hospital window. Yeah. My husband's been made redundant. Yeah. 
you know because I've had to come to you that there's still violence within my world. Yeah, I was going to talk to just talk to us, and not that we need to go into the context, but there's, there is a lot of challenges still around your world and the potential yeah. for rage. I mean, yeah. you know, just talk to us how you, how you navigate well, your way through there's, that. Well, there's not everybody in my family saved. Yeah. You know, me and Debbie and my mum are, and stay, and that's your lot. Yeah. Um, and so when a perceived wrong, because I can't always say it's yeah. wrong because I'm not there and, you know, it could be my lot, probably is. Um, <laughs> but when a perceived wrong is done, we have an automatic way of reacting to that. And to some degree, I still do. Yeah. I'm still made up of flesh and bone. Yeah. You know, I'm just aware that I am now born again and have a spirit. Yeah. Um, so we have many opportunities to what I now know is called acting in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So giving in to your own will, basically. Yeah. So when anybody does anything wrong to remember my family, and some, you know, just, just a few weeks ago, somebody headbutted my son. Um, another son's had a black eye and things like that. Every ounce of me rises up to yeah. protect my child. Yeah. Um, and to say this is an injustice. And th- but, you know, I've got a choice, and that's what I've learned. It's all about choices. So at the time it happens, I'm going to be honest, my heart is raging. Thoughts are just whizzing through my head. Lisa, they're doing this because you're a Christian now, and they think they can. Um, they're taking this as weakness. So I immediately have to just rush off, normally to my bedroom, drop on my knees, and just SOS. Just SOS God. Um, And then I'll start reading. So um, when I start reading, God will start telling me what to do. Or other times I've had to come to you and say, this is what's going off. I'm making myself accountable. Because sometimes, as it is for me, Christian, if I put skin on the spirit world, it's just better for me. So this is what's happening. And I'm not coming to you because I want you to make it go away or tell me to ring the police on them or anything. I'm coming to you so I obey the word of God. I, I'm accountable when I leave you. Sure. That God says I have to pray for those that persecute me. Sure. Bless and don't curse those. So even when it's your child that's being hurt, the person that's done it is still God's kid. You've still got to pray and bless them. You've still got to do what the Bible says. We can't just take bits of it. So one of the things in terms of breaking through of the negative cycles is actually making you accountable, yourself accountable to God and to others. And to I his guess. delegated authority. Which is interesting because you had such an issue with authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet you're now but that's the old dying to flesh. That's the old reading the Bible. God saying, Lisa, this is the authority I've put above you. You know, so when I was praying against you and saying, you know, talk to him in his sleep, God, do something to stop him. Um, God would say things like, so then I'd go to the word and think you're going to tell me something really good, like I'm going to stop him. I'll deal with Christian, you know. But it wouldn't. It'd say things like, um, the art of the king is in the hand of the Lord, is in the hand of the Lord, and he'll direct it where he wills. Hmm. So basically, he was telling me, you're praying against me, Lisa, because I'm making him do this. Right. He's, he's in my will. He's obeying my will. Sure. Um, but it was only because I'd be reading that God could... You know, tell me them things, Christian. Yeah. Um, and it's only because I was reading and submitting to the delegated authority that, truthfully, I wouldn't go out and avenge. You think it's easy when you hear my past that, of course, she wouldn't get violent again. When God got, 
but it's been 11 years, Christian. Sure. And time heals. Sure. You know, and, and me and Kev, we're over all that now. God's healed all that. It's as though it never happened for me and him. So when violence happens, it would be quite easy for us to think, right then, this is how we're going to deal with it. But I have to say, all that dying to what I wanted to do and all that obeying God has given me freedoms that I could have never have known. I am more liberated. I am freer than I've ever been. And authority didn't bring restrictions. Right, right. Sorry, so that comment there, authority didn't bring restrictions. No, it brought freedom. See, I always thought it was going to bring restrictions because wow. my dad had been banged up and things. But it doesn't. It brings, it brings honor. So the more I honored you, the more I honored Julie, the more I honored God, um, and the more honor I seem to get, um, and the freer I got. And, do you know, I'm just going to be brutally honest now. It's just get over yourself and grow up. It's right. just because I was an immature Christian. Right. And I kind of grew up thinking, why should I do what you say? Now I look back, it was just childish. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. I mean, those, those last few comments there, are, 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 you know, are extremely um, insightful. There's lots whizzing around in my head at this moment. I'm, I'm just mindful of... I've just, I know you guys would probably want this to go on for a few more minutes because it's just, you know, so, so helpful. So let me just um, try and just, um, let's, 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 let's go just to two things because I think we're understanding now what are some of the cycles and attitudes that you now embrace. You've talked about some of those, some of those things, but you've touched on it a little bit. So five years ago, um, you were prompted to come and say, I'd like to serve in food bank. Mm. But actually, God's design for your life was not just to serve in it, it was to actually lead it. Mm. So how did all that feel? Because actually, I'll, say, I'll, I'll just say this, you, you're having to deal with a, with a bunch of Christians. Mm. You had to peel me off the ceiling a few times. So That's I, how hard I found it. Yeah, so what was that like? I mean, well, I know, came to you when you pitched food bank and I was just going to be a bagpacker. That was it. And you said right from get-go, right from that first meeting, oh, I'm glad you've come forward, Lisa, because I'll be wanting you to lead it. And I was like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> you know, I'll pack a few bags, um, and God does what God does. And within weeks, I ended up leading it. Um, and I found myself working with, and I will say, very well-meaning Christians um, at the time. But I think quite a few of us at the time I'd, so it wasn't just me, it was people that had been raised in church was, was struggling with authority. Um, and so we was locking horns, I wanted to quit. I used to ring you up and say, you know, they're all mad. I'm not doing another day, they're all mad, they're all crazy Christian. Um, you say something and I, people are just turning up to do what they want when they want. Well, I, I didn't get it because now God had told me I had to submit to all this order. I expected sure. the whole world. Sure. To submit to this order. And of course, definitely Christians. Sure. Because you born with all that in your character. At, sure. You know, and that, that wasn't the case, so it was odd. So it was, it was a, just to go back to that, it was, you know, because often things that can be leveled of me, which is, I'll just say it out there, is of control. But actually, that's not the case at all. It's just living under authority. Mm. Yeah. And, you, and you, you've got that very much yeah. because you came from a controlling background. Yeah. And yet you're coming here and when, we're, yeah. when I'm saying things, you just... Follow, because you've really yeah. got the whole essence. I really want yeah. to drive that point of authority. 
I've yeah. never, ever, ever felt ever in 11 years controlled by you, the church, or God. Yeah. I have right. only ever felt liberated. I feel like, even, even in the worst of that, I've told you that's happening this year alone, Millsman's redundant, mm. uh, all of this. I feel like we're flying. Mm. You know, that song that Julie sings about, the scars will heal, you will dance again. Yeah. It's true every day. Yeah, yeah. So, as we draw it to a close, what advice would you offer, first, to those who are struggling with negative cycles and they're not Christians? So that's the first thing. What advice would you offer to them? First, get saved. Get your business with God. Um, You need to be born again. So... Unless you're born again, you can't see or hear the kingdom of God. That's why I didn't know Amazing Grace. Sure. Because you can't hear it. You're not born again. You're spirit born. Yeah. So you can't see or hear the things of God. Yeah. Um, so I don't try and preach at my Kev certain things because he's not born again Christian. Yeah. So I'm, he can't see or hear it. Yeah. So first of all, you need to get saved. Yeah. You need to get born again. Um, once you're born again, start reading your Bible and start obeying it. Yeah. And so to those who are Christians, who are struggling with negative cycles? I don't want to sound like I'm trying to make it too simple or patronizing, but you've basically got to do the same, except the born again bit. You've got to start reading your Bible. And you've got to start obeying it. Um, God isn't saying these things to restrict us. He's saying it to liberate, yes. to liberate us. Um, the more time you spend with God, the more you submit to his delegated authority. Even when you don't understand it, you've asked me to do things, Christian, that I flat out have not understood. I don't get it. But when you submit, God honors that. God honors that. Um, and the more, the more you read, the more you honor God, the more you honor his delegated authority, you just find yourself walking out of these negative cycles because you get stronger in the spirit. So it's not that the opportunity doesn't come. I have opportunities every day, um, you know, to sin. Sure. But now I realize I have the choice. I don't have to. Sure. And if I can say, I mean, uh, we've, we've publicly commended uh, some people this morning, but I publicly commend Lisa in terms of what she... Um, not, just, not just what you've shared this morning, but also the way that you've handled yourself over these 11 years. What you need to understand is I didn't really, I knew Lisa, but I didn't know her that well five years ago, but I knew what was going on in her heart. I know he was a woman who actually wanted to please God. Um, And what I've been really want to commend you as well is the team that are around you. So, you know, the the, the Debbies, Debbies here, Mm. and the Traces, and, you know, Lindsay's and the Anns and other guys. That they just, it just, you know, Angela's and Cass. You just, it's the, it's the same spirit that's just carrying through. Mm. This understanding of authority, this understanding of wanting to submit yourselves to, to God, and so I want to commend you for just bringing that leadership into that area of area of ministry. We are, we are the better for Lisa. We thank God for it. We thank God for the team. We thank God for your experience, experiences as well. There are many times, many occasions, we're in a staff meeting we meet on Tuesdays and we've all felt it and, and all the guys have done this on numbers of occasions but Lisa will just there'll be something that will just drop in like whoa different perspective because of where she's come from God uses everything even the nonsense <laughs> even the dysfunctionality of our worlds 
he uses it for his glory if we will allow him to. And actually, Lisa, you just bring some a different perspective at times, which is so helpful to me. I wonder if we'd just show our appreciation to Lisa. Thank you. Thank you.